Yo, what's good, comic fam? We got some fun books to chat about today, and I'm sitting at the table with my homie, Overstreet Price Guide Advisor, owner of Milky Comics, Russ Bright. How you doing? I am good, Tom. I'm a little cold here, but it's good. Yeah, dude, the weather changed really quick. Comic fam, where are you living? Where do you guys live? Around? Like, I want to see in the comment section where everyone's from. We have a lot of peeps out in other countries. And I like knowing that because you know what? We're talking about foreign comics today. Oh my gosh, this is something that we talk about, but we don't talk about with you guys. The comic book fam, I don't have that much of an opportunity to talk about foreign comics with you guys. Just something that both Tom and I are into, but we think is supremely undervalued in the market. I don't think there's enough appreciation for for you know foreign comics out there. That's right. We have some fun ones to discuss today and some ones that I haven't even showed you. I like to reserve these moments for the mic. Sure. Comic fam, hit the like button hit the subscribe button we do have a copy of turok printed in poland <laughs> that's going to be going out to a lucky member today wow. comment down below i want to know where you're from and let's chat about some goodies because there was a member that sent in something to the show this happens sometimes not as karma just as a gift it actually said in the envelope not to read it on camera because this person would like to remain anonymous. Sure. But what he did say is that I can call him the hungry man because this gentleman is from Hungary okay. and collects comic books from Hungary. Nice. So I got a couple of books gifted to me that I thought you would enjoy because they are Star Wars books oh, cool. and they are not official. These are bootleg Star Wars okay. books. Very rare, very scarce. And something that we know about the foreign market is that aside from these being more like additions, we don't use the word reprints mm -hmm. in the community. And that's actually a term that we've tried to move away from as foreign collectors. These different editions were created sometimes very soon after the American first print was established. Some of these are extremely difficult to find because they're already difficult to get in other countries and they were read to death and, and beat up and thrown away worse than even here in the States, which mm -hmm. was pretty bad. Yeah. And over in other countries, you have other things like the environment that causes damages to comic books, such as weather. I mean, I'm thinking of books in Greece that are notoriously difficult to get without rust on the staples. Right. So these collectibles have different layers of value aside from being sometimes out of canon and bootleg, but still very interesting to collectors of those franchises they're also extremely difficult to find in any grade worth being proud of owning right. which is why so many foreign collectors don't even care they're like you know what if it's low grade i'm gonna get it just in case because i may not ever see it again yeah all right so this first two comics actually has um explanation on the back it's a set it's issue one and two and it's called actually i'm gonna have you uh decipher what that okay. says all right uh, wow, Chilarok uh, Habaruja, the bootleg comic from Hungary, and we have number one and number two, published by a company that I will not attempt to try and pronounce, because I do not speak Hungarian, and that is way too many accents. It's really amazing, but 1982. It says, Hungary is one of those Eastern European countries to have seen the release of a wide variety of unlicensed Star Wars merchandise. We've talked about uh, in Turkey, they have uh, bootleg movies as well as bootleg action figures. A lot of these Eastern European companies, because they couldn't get, so comic book. 
books was one of those big ones. These comic books, for instance, have some pretty interesting cover artwork, which, although they are unlicensed, is evidently entirely original. So when these come up on the screen, these are original arts that were made just for these. The artist who made them is a fairly well-known comic book artist in Hungary. The interiors are all in black and white, which is something we almost always see with foreign comics. You get the black and white interiors. But here, too, the renderings are pretty sophisticated. Interestingly, some scenes are not featured in the final film or depicted here, including the infamous setting between Luke and Biggs on Tattoo. And that's super cool because you have something that isn't canon, but still ties very well into the stories that we know and love with Star Wars. So take a look at this cover here. And what we're looking at is a comic book that's a bit smaller than your traditional modern size comic. Right. But we got the full cast on there. This is fantastic. And you've got, you know, the Death Star and the Star Destroyer and you've got... uh, Darth Vader looming over Princess Leia, Luke looking gallant, uh, Chewbacca looking hairy, Han looking confused, actually. This is the most confused I've ever seen him. I, you know, he looks shocked. And uh, old Ben Kenobi just kind of hanging out looking morose. And this is great. This is a fantastic depiction of the first movie. So what I was really excited to see was that issue two that's next to you because... First off, it's got this blue cover that looks so great, but the center focus is Princess Leia. Take a look at the back of that book there and tell me what our friend from Hungary said about it. So the second issue actually says, here's the second issue. The entire story of the first film is told in two issues. The cover is significantly bluer in tone than the rather reddish cover of issue one. I find it interesting that in both of these covers, Leia is depicted as the sort of the main good guy character. It's her on which you focus first, and she conveys the lion's share of the emotion, appearing as she does to be overpowered by a galactic struggle. Marvel, on the other hand, placed Luke at the center right from the start and even exaggerated his role in the story until he was something of a superhero ready to take on the forces of evil with his lightsaber. It's an interesting contrast. I also get a kick out of the color and dynamism of the graphics. Eastern Europe has a long tradition of gaudily colored and stylized, almost hallucinatory imagery. And this is something that if you didn't know, you could imagine that this was either a Starenko cover or like an homage to very much because you've got its overly cartoony you do have the pinnacle lightsaber fight between you know vader and kenobi but they're the focal point of that with all of these things coming at them and it's very much this you know hypnotic spiral of star destroyers which is awesome and leia looking appropriate very much so all right, I gotta love me some bootleg comics, but I'm not gonna just leave you there. We got another bootleg book to discuss, but not before we talk about a double key. Oh my gosh, double keys. Double keys, comic fam. It's like one of my favorite things with Foreign Market because they had options to print so much stuff. Right. All right. And and a lot of the times there were hopping titles. It'd be like, here's an Avengers issue, here's a Spider-Man issue. And all they cared about was how that one book did in that month. And then they would decide, well, are we going to do on another book? Are we going to throw another book in there? Are we going to do a backup story, two books? They just were trying to figure out what would move in their country. So back in Greece, we have a copy of a very famous cover featuring the first appearance of Hobgoblin. So what are we looking at, Russ? This is really, really cool. So we have what looks like a Spider-Man 238, and we got this amazing Hobgoblin cover ripping apart the Spidey suit. I mean, this is just such a beautiful cover, and this is just really, really cool. You know, it's it's 
classic Spider-Man, that that Ramita Jr. and Ramita Sr. cover. I mean, this is really just a great, great cover here. So we have a slightly smaller size book here, but what they did in Greece at this time is they would put two different comics in one book. This is entirely at random, but with this one example in this one country, this first appearance of Hobgoblin was placed next to another comic on the inside. All right. Can I open it now, it. Tom? All right. So let's keep it going. I go to the middle of the book. All right. So and you'll see it because actually you should go for that Hobgoblin reveal because adjacent to the Hobgoblin on the oh, left, you're going to see a very recognizable character on the right. <laughs> really? Yeah, dude. It's real. Oh my God. This is, this is amazing. All right, so Just, explain what you got on the left. Okay, so so on the left, we have Hobgoblin coming out saying something in Greek that he's... He's Hobgoblin. I'm Hobgoblin! And then right over here, what is this, Iron Man 55? This is first Thanos. That's right, we have in Drax. In the same issue. Oh, what is this? This is amazing. That's I mean, this, right. this is... I'm, I'm flipping through this going, nope, that is totally in oh no there's thanos yep yep drax and thanos and the what the blood brothers that's and right just, it's all wow, there wow so, that is so cool <laughs> so this is one of those books that i just never want to get graded because this two-page spread at this at the near center of the book mm -hmm. we have two characters from two completely eras two completely different franchises right making a first appearance here just happens to be the last page of Spidey featuring Hobgoblin and the first page of Iron Man 55 featuring the first Drax. And of course, as you go later in the book, we do have our gauntlet, soon to be wielding gauntlet villain, Thanos making his appearance. Now, and this is one of the reasons why with th these foreign comics, it's really tough to discern price because they were reprinted at random eras, at random times. You have no idea because you've got a comic from the 1980s reprinted the comic from the mid-1970s, and who knows when this was actually released. And now we have an addition that exists that is considerably valuable because of this happenstance that took place. Right. Pretty dope. All right. Now, last but not least, we do have a non-canon Spider-Man comic book. You know I love me some Jose Duran. All right. This gentleman took on the task of creating more Spider-Man for the Mexican people. When Spider-Man was all the rave, they caught up to the American printings and they needed more specifically more Gwen Stacy, and he would go on to create not just original covers, but original stories that would take place in between the John Romita covers and comics that were being created at America that time. So issue 156 of El Sopredente features a Gwen Stacy laying on the ground. You got the freaking ass shot. Damn, boy, he's there. Ah! You know, it's, it's there. It's right. what it is. All right. And we also have the Kingpin doing a Kung Fu kick to Spider-Man's face. But <laughs> that's not why I'm bringing this up on the mic today. Right. We have a very, very important occasion that happened in Spider-Man for the first time on this cover. We have the first time blood was depicted in Amazing Spider-Man. That, I mean, it's just gushing out of his head. This is, this is a beautiful book. And, I mean, the... Even before the uh, the Western market, even before you know the United States had blood on the cover, we have South America and you know the the Spanish language version of the Spider-Man comics having blood on the cover, which is amazing because they had to extend Gwen Stacy's death because they didn't want her to die in 
comics. So we've got blood on the cover, but we can't show that one of the main characters dies. Like, that is such a dichotomy. It's really, really weird. It is, and it also shows you that a lot of these opportunities that happened within the history of these collectibles there were key moments that they didn't realize they were doing. Jose right. didn't realize he was doing something groundbreaking, drawing this guy's gushing skull on the page here, but he did. Right. And this right here is known as the first blood depicted on a Spider-Man cover ever. And wow. it happened in Mexico, courtesy of the legend, Jose Duran. Amazing. Comic fam, what do you think about these foreign comics? Let me know in the comment section below. I'll enter you to win this copy of Turok from Poland. We appreciate your time today. And as always, geek responsibly. Enough said.